Revelation chapter number five, please. Going to begin looking at the tribulation. The tribulation has three sets of judgments. If you want one word to summarize tribulation, judgment is it. Judgment or death. And uh, Revelation chapter five tells the story how the book was found, but no one was found worthy to break the seals and reveal what was in this book. And then they, they realized that the only one worthy is the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as he begins opening these seals, we walk through in chapter six, and then in the beginning of chapter eight, the seven seals. There are three sets of judgment, as I mentioned. There are the seven seal judgments, there are the seven trumpet judgments, and then the seven vial or bowl judgments. And they each have sort of a common theme through them. Tonight, we're going to look at the seven seal judgments. Uh, you know, when we, and here's just sort of a, a little thought to keep in your mind as we're trying to look at the tribulation, seeing how awful it is and how painful it is and how really uh, life-taking it is, re realize and remember it's only seven years long when hell is for eternity. So no matter how awful we are challenged with what the tribulation is, let's not forget this is just a little glimmer of what hell will be like uh, when eternal judgment comes. So just to, to lay the groundwork, chapter 5, verse 1, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor on earth nor under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no one was found, no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And so one day after the rapture, the church is called out this event will begin and it will be one right after another in quick succession, uh, judgment after judgment after judgment. If you want one word to think of the seal judgments, think of life ending. Life ending. The number of people alive on planet Earth at the beginning of the tribulation will be greatly diminished by the end of these seven seals. So let's just walk through these seals rather quickly. Chapter 6, verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened, notice capital L, Lord Jesus Christ, when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse. 
And he that sat on him had a bow and the crown and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. So this first seal is a rider on a white horse that comes to conquer. And as we study the book of the Revelation, some people go to seed on it, not on what the Bible says and on its plainest interpretation, but what their mind can imagine. And it sort of becomes sci-fi. You know, they, they want to be as creative as they can be. If you want to know a correct Bible interpretation it is not mysterious. It is God tells us everything he wants us to know. And we need to take it at face value. If it's uh, imagery, uh, he will reveal that to us. But let's just take it at face value. And so in these opening months of the tribulation, the nations that had been established as Israel and the Antichrist, there is a peace treaty brokered. Uh, now the nations are going to be going and conquered by this rider on the white horse. And it's not so much of what he does, but their fear of what he might do. You know, fear can really overtake people. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3 says this about that time. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. So the first seal is opened. The angel calls the believers, come and see. And they see this rider on a white horse coming to conquer and to conquer. Notice the second seal, verse 3. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth. You catch that? The peace that had been established by the Antichrist now is being taken away to be there no more. And that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. So this second seal is opened and the Bible tells us that power is given to this rider on the red horse to take whatever peace was on the earth away which means there will be no more peace until Jesus comes to reign and seven years later. And though the tribulation began with this peace treaty being negotiated or finagled by Antichrist, now war is going to come and claim many lives. As peace is removed and no one can find peace, and war reigns. And notice it says there in verse number two that this rider upon the red horse is given a great sword. This horse that is red in color is picturing for us great bloodshed. Great bloodshed. And as the spirit of conquest has come, war now pours out, and death is the result. The third seal, verse number five. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. 
And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and wine. This is probably still in the early months of the great tribulation, certainly in the first year. And the black horse pictures for us a bleak situation because as a result of the war and as a result of the conquest, famine will ravage the land. And the, the Antichrist world order is now disorder because all peace is gone and war is decimating the population and famine is a result. Verse number six talks about this balance it's picturing a rationing of food because of the famine, carefully measuring out their basic needs. One of the articles about Venezuela that I read today is under this socialist regime, you've got you've to get an identity card and everything about you is in that card. Your vocation, where you live, what you do for a living, what your family owns, and you can't buy fuel for your vehicle without that card. And so they're forcing people into this and as a compensation, they give them all that they, a family needs to live. But it's not enough to keep them alive. Dry milk, bad pasta, and the children are suffering from malnutrition. That's the picture of this third seal. Notice verse number six, he says, a measure of wheat for a penny. Now, if you remember in the New Testament, a denarius, a Roman coin denarius, that was an average laborer's wage for a day. A measure of wheat for a penny. So here a working man works all day to get a measure of wheat. Charles Ryrie in his book on the tribulation says that the normal prices for a day's wage would have been eight measures of wheat or 24 measures of barley. But in the tribulation, it'll be one measure of wheat and three measures of barley. So if that's true, then under these famine conditions, uh, inflation has gone up eight times. What used to cost a dollar costs eight. What used to cost 20 now is 160. And the supply and or the supply has been diminished by seven eighths. Either way, imagine what that would do to the population. Imagine how people would be responding. There are a lot of things people will tolerate. Hunger is not one of them. And we can imagine that in the midst of this famine, how people are suffering. But notice the, the sad irony at the end of verse six, he says, and see thou hurt not the wine uh, the oil and the wine. What he's really saying is the luxury items are plenteous, but what you need to survive is not available. How do you think people would react? Sort of like they're reacting in the world where civil unrest and they're rioting and they're taking that which uh, they cannot afford because of hunger. Verse seven tells us about the fourth seal. 
And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death. And hell followed with him and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with beasts of the earth. The fourth pale horse, yellowish green. The rider is named death and hell followed. Death claims a physical part while his soul lives forever in judgment. This fourth seal is devastating. One fourth of the world's population dies. One fourth. If we have 32 million in Canada, eight million gone. A family of four, one gone. Imagine 7.8 billion in the world today. If it's 8 billion in that day, 2 billion die. Not only death, but what do you deal? How do you deal with all that? In the midst of a famine, you don't have energy. You're dealing with horrible devastation. They'll be killed by the sword and hunger from the famine and death as disease and plagues follow war because of the devastation to the infrastructure. Wild beasts, which will apparently not be restrained, killing people. You know, man thinks he can solve all his problems and he can always bring peace. He can protect himself from harm. He can gain prosperity at will, but not when God says that's it. God is in control. Whatever peace they might have experienced, whatever enjoyment they might have had, it's all gone by this time, very early in the tribulation. Verse nine begins the fifth seal. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw into the altar souls of them that were slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their, their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as it were should be fulfilled. It's like we change scenes now and now we're looking in heaven at the martyrs who had died for their faith, the souls of them that were slain. And even them are crying out, Lord, this is hard to imagine. This is hard to, to observe. How long is this going to go on? And God gives him the white robes. Still early in the tribulation, but they, they had already been killed for their testimony of faith. There will be those saved, but not if they had rejected the gospel prior to the uh, rapture. The sixth seal begins in verse number 12 and continues down to the end of the chapter. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became as blood 
And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in dens and in rocks and in mount of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? The sixth seal is a unleashing of universal havoc on the earth. Verse 12, a great earthquake. The sun is darkened, black as sackcloth. The moon will be red as blood. A few years ago, a charismatic preacher wrote a book on the blood moons. If you want to read it as fiction, that's fine. If you want to believe it as theology, get your head examined. Verse 13, mediator, meteor showers with devastating consequences. The stars of heaven fall to the earth. It's almost monthly now. They're warning us about some meteor who's going to pass within 100,000 miles of the earth. And they're all nervous about it. That day it won't be missing. It will fall to the earth and cause great havoc. Verse 14 and, and 15 talks about how they'll be able to see into heaven and see the Lord sitting on the throne and the wrath of the Lamb. Imagine verse 14, every mountain moved. Every island moved. And just imagine what that's going to do. Imagine how that's going to cause men to quake in fear. And the cumulative effects of these judgments are reiterated there in verses 15. It's just saying every social strata, every economic strata, no one will be unaffected. Rich, poor, ruler, bondman, they're all crying out, I can't take it. Just fall on me and kill me. But the trouble is, that won't eliminate what they're going to face without Christ. The believers will be sealed. Remember, Ephesians 1 says, you and I are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Matthew 24 parallels this. I know we're running out of time, but turn to Matthew 24 real quickly. Verses four, 4 down through 14 are describing this early time in the tribulation. Verse 4, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See, this is not talking about prior to the rapture. This is talking about during the tribulation. Verse 8, these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And he goes on describing that. And it, it, this is all before the midpoint of the tribulation because verse 15 says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, 
let him understand. So chapter six goes through the first six of the seven seals. With all this going on, you would think men would be crying out to God for salvation. They would realize that they could not save themselves. They would turn to Christ in humility, but unfortunately most will not. Just like Pharaoh, men will harden their hearts as God is showing himself strong. But then we skip over to chapter eight. There's sort of like an interlude. The Lord tells a little story about those who are saved and the 12,000 evangelists from each tribe. But tonight we're just looking at these seven seals. So look at chapter eight, verse number one. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God and to them were given seven trumpets. The seventh seal seems rather uneventful. Have you ever experienced 30 seconds of awkward silence? Imagine 30 minutes where the entire world population is so stunned by what they have just seen poured out of God's wrath, no one speaks. A deafening silence. A silence of fearful anticipation. What is going to happen next? What more is going to be poured out? How much worse is it going to become? And it will last for 30 minutes. But that 30 minutes will feel like an eternity. Folks, this is just one third of the judgments that God will pour out in that day. And more than 25% of the world population will already have been killed and be gone. We'll continue our study. This is, remember... If you're a child of God, you are exempt from this. You'll be gone. You'll be in the Lord's presence. And you'll be able to, you'll be able to see that, that though God's wrath is poured out on sin, we'll, we'll see the understanding more clearly how the holiness of God demands judgment and justice for sin. And we'll be so glad that Jesus took our judgment on the cross. So we're not having to experience what's going on on earth in that day. Let's pray together. Father, I know this is not a uplifting study in, in this portion. But it is your truth. And if it ought to do anything in our hearts, it ought to stir the passion in our hearts to tell people about Christ. To offer them Christ so that they not have to endure such an awful judgment. So Lord, I pray that you would teach us your word, help us to make correct application, but also to have a right response. A response that says, oh, I'm so glad for Jesus' love. I'm so glad the Father 
drew me to himself. I'm so glad somebody shared the gospel with me. I'm so glad I know Jesus as my own personal savior. But help us, Lord, never to be so self-centered to think that that's all we need to care about. Because there's a world lost and needing to know of Christ. And we need to offer them Jesus. Dismiss us with your blessing, we pray. Work in our hearts. Lord, keep our folks safe on the winter roads, I pray. For it's your name we ask it. Amen.